0: Welcome to the Stay Tuned with the Chlorine Institute podcast. The Chlorine Institute, also referred to as CI, is a chemical trade association based in Arlington, Virginia, that focuses on advancing safety in the chloroalkali industry. In this podcast, we will dive into the topic of safety as it relates to this industry.
1: I'm Frank Reiner, president of the Chlorine Institute. Joining me today is Tim Johnson, president and founder, of the TJC Group, which is a 30-year-old firm specializing in everything from workforce development to corporate strategies and community outreach. Tim spoke at CI's annual virtual meeting a couple months back and shared approaches to successful community engagement with our members. Welcome back, Tim, and thanks for joining us today.
2: Frank, it is a great pleasure, and I am grateful for you having me. As, as we are all aware, in our
1: industry, our license to operate is dependent upon our ability to function safely and in an environmentally responsible way. Strong safety and environmental performance requires an all-in effort and engagement from our companies, their employees, and the residents of the communities in which facilities are located. We're very interested today in, diving deeper into your insights, Tim, on how to engage communities. Uh, One one observation, you you certainly have a a long experience uh, in the industry, you've um, been at this for 30 years. And when you look at um, at what's transpired over that 30 years, uh, how has the approach that you've taken
2: to community engagement changed? Well, I think it's like any any effort, any business, um, any long-term exercise, it, it evolves, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, I can remember when, when I first got into the community engagement, communications, public affairs arena, um, I, I didn't really understand that much about what I was doing then either, but as we worked with the petrochemical industry, what we knew at the time 30 years ago was that the biggest issue on everybody's mind was the environment. And there was a significant group of activists at that time that were concerned. And it appeared, though, that the more we communicated and the more transparent and open these facilities and their leadership were to the communication with the community that the activism began to sort of wane a little bit. We we saw that communities began to understand how much effort the facilities were putting into their environmental performance, their safety performance, their risk management planning. And what, what we saw was a significant decrease over time in the overall activism. <clears throat> Social media has changed all of that and it has given a platform to individuals who uh, might have otherwise not had one in terms of sharing their information, sharing their negative opinions about industry, engaging others. It's like a lot of other things in our society, right, that that. Uh, we have become so polarized, but I think more than anything else in the 30 years that I've been at this, Frank, that it is social media that has really changed the game and, and sort of reintroduced a level of activism that we have not seen in quite some time.
1: Uh, so social media is a relatively new phenomenon, huh? and um, how, how do you advise organizations to, to use social media in a positive way? Uh, to, to advance that community engagement?
2: Well, we talk about, in our firm and with our clients, we talk about being able to, to respond to and answer four questions relative to all of their stakeholders. And when I say all of their stakeholders, I'm, I'm talking about their neighbors, civic organizations, grassroots leaders in their community, elected officials that are critically important, both on the the state and local level, schools and educational institutions, local first responders, and yes, activists. And we say, relative to all of those stakeholders, we need to be able to answer four questions. And they're pretty simple. Do they know us? Do they understand us? Do they trust us? And then finally, do we understand them? And, and for each of those questions, we have a a series of things that we have to check the box on. Um, And, and if we can, we can work in the direction where, you know, if we say, for instance, do they know us? Are we consistent? Are we communicating with them regularly? Do we tell them what we make and how important it is to society and quality of life and, do we share information about our emissions and our and, and our safety programs and our environmental programs and all of the things we do? And are we doing that consistently? And, I'm, and what I generally say there, not just when we have a need that we go out and communicate, but are we doing that regularly? And there are a lot of elements to that. And so um, I say we use social media in a positive way to help, our stakeholders know us, understand us, trust us and bridge the communication gap so that we can better understand them what really matters to the stakeholders because i think it's a little bit different depending on what what role you play in the stakeholder community
1: okay so if if you had to identify what the keys to successful community engagement are in the current environment uh, what what Would you see is most
2: important? Those things. I think it's consistency and communication. It's complete transparency. It's really working to build trust with your stakeholders um, so that it doesn't mean they're always going to agree with you, but they know that you're telling them the truth no matter what the circumstance is. And then when we say working to understand them, you know, if, if I'm talking about the activist community, then I know that what's most important to them generally is the environmental performance. If I'm talking about the nearest neighbors, then I know what's most important to them generally is an environmental performance. If I'm talking about local elected officials, I know that environment is critically important to them, but generally they are more concerned about the jobs, the economic impact, and the tax base. And so, you know, building those elements to ensure that communication is clear and, and, and making it specific to each of those stakeholder groups, I think is is part of how the, the communication and community engagement plan has to be structured. Um, you... You've
1: talked about ad, ad, activists several times. And yes. um, you know that sounds like uh, you see that as really engaging them as a, a key part of successful community engagement. Uh, I know sometimes in industry, we consider them adversaries. And it doesn't sound like you, your approach uh, does that.
2: Uh, well, quite frankly, it depends on the activists. Um, you know i've i've in in the communities where we work with most of our clients um, the the activists are relatively well known and there are activists who are reasonable enough to sit down and communicate and engage in with dialogue and try to build this understanding and trust and there are others that you come to a relatively quick conclusion that you're wasting your time dealing with them because they have no, they have no desire to be positive in any kind of way. Their, their one goal is to just be anti-everything and hammer the industry, and they would like to see us go away. But my conversations with these activists, who are reasonable enough to have them, Will generally go something like this, Frank. Look, I know you're not going, you and your supporters are not going away. You play a critically important role in help, helping to hold our feet to the fire. But just the same, the industry is not going away. It plays a critical role in overall society Uh, these activists use our products every single day and the options are we can constantly throw rocks at one another and call each other names or we can try to engage in some level of dialogue that allows us to work together on those limited amount of things that we might can come to some agreement on and that has actually worked in in some ways with some activist groups. Now, as I said, there are others that that's you just you come to the conclusion that that's never going to work. But um, I, I think that if if you have if you can determine the reasonableness if that's a word of the of the folks that you're dealing with, then you can make some sort of uh, you can gauge whether or not uh, having real conversations with them is worthwhile. Uh, but I agree. There are times where, you, you know, you are just, you're not going to make any progress there.
1: Mm-hmm. So you have to decide where your efforts are worthwhile and, and not. Exactly.
2: Exactly. Um, and, and I think, I think, that's the key that you, the way you, you phrase that, Frank, is that I think it's worth the time to figure out if it's worth your time. Mm-hmm.
1: <clears throat> okay. Well, certainly um, engaging employees is something that's definitely worth your time, and um, those efforts, um, though sometimes uh, people will take them as kind of like a corporate cohesion. And um, how, do you, how do you avoid that, that impression
2: and, and get real buy-in from the employees? Well, first of all, it must clearly be a voluntary effort on the part of the employee, right? If it, if it in fact is coerced, then that's, that's a level of, that's a lack of transparency that we, we don't want to have. But I believe that in fact, employees can and are in most instances the, the sort of the best ambassadors that a, that a facility can have and so you know if if you can help them with the talking points if they if they are voluntarily engaging with you and you can identify those folks who are most passionate about your facility and what you do and your culture more than anything else because that's really i think the sort of the window to soul of an organization, what is that culture, is it a safe one, is it an environmentally friendly one, um, then, then I think you have to do it. I, I, I don't know if you'll ever be in a situation where some activist will point at that employee engagement and say it was coerced, <clears throat> but I just think you have to be consistent with it, and you have to be consistent with it and utilize employees who have a passion about it, who understand the culture, and who are good spokespeople for that culture.
1: Okay. Um, if, if you were going into a, a community um, where there, and, and a company in a community where there's not been a real concentration on community engagement, maybe it's a new facility, Maybe it's an existing facility that just hasn't gotten there yet. How would you begin to um, build that engagement with
2: the community? Well, we we start um, with identifying those those the, the individual players among the stakeholder groups. Who who are our neighbors, and you know what what does our neighborhood look like? What where do, how do we draw the circles around this facility to say? these are our critical neighbor stakeholders. You know, what do is, what is those lines look like and, and who are the folks that, that fit into those lines? Is there a civic association or civic associations that are part of those neighborhoods? Who are our grassroots leaders? Uh, you know, who, who are the, the folks that are most engaged from a civic uh, standpoint there? We're gonna identify and reach out to the elected officials immediately. We wanna identify and reach out to the educational institutions and their leaders. We wanna identify and reach out to local responders. And then lastly, we'll think about who the activists are and, and what the level of effort we want to put into those are. But we begin by just identifying those groups and starting to tell our story on a consistent basis. We want to show up at civic association meetings. We want to be engaged with the neighbors. We want to start a community advisory panel as part of our overall communication effort. Uh, we, we want to attend uh, city council meetings and, and tell our story there. We want, to, we want the elected officials to know who the manager is, who the human resource director is, who the environmental manager is, who the safety manager is, so that if they have specific questions about any of those things, they have a direct line of contact so that they can do it. And all of those efforts are focused around answering those four questions. Do they know us? Do they understand us? Do they trust us? And do we understand them? It takes time and it takes consistency of effort to do it, but those are the immediate, we start by identifying those stakeholders and not just saying, well, who are the people? Do we know the names? Can we identify those folks and how we begin to build those relationships that help them know us, understand us and trust us?
1: Um, you use the word trust a number of times and um, you know, that's, that's one of the keys to building the engagement. Uh, but sometimes things happen in the course of, of, of uh, doing business where trust is breached. Uh, perhaps there's an incident, uh, a serious incident. Um, how, how would you go about rebuilding the trust in that, that case?
2: Well, <clears throat> if I can be so bold, I will, I'll disagree slightly with your premise. Okay. Okay. If we, have, if we have done our job at that facility, helping them to know us, understand us, and trust us, then an incident, as unfortunate as it may be, is just another opportunity for us to build on those elements. In other words, I think folks are smart enough to recognize that there is some risk-reward level for everything that takes place is there some risk of having a petrochemical facility in our community of course there is but there are also huge benefits to it and if we have done our job building those relationships and building the understanding and the trust that we're talking about then we ought to be able to communicate openly and honestly through an incident and it gives us an opportunity to go and sit down with those community leaders and say look here's what happened, here's why it happened, here's what we're doing to ensure to the greatest degree possible that it never happens again. What other questions do you have? And let's talk about it. Now, I will give you a perfect example of how this has worked. <clears throat> One of the facilities that we have worked with for almost 30 years in this, this great Baton Rouge area a few years ago had a major explosion and fire and a couple of folks died. But because that plant manager and his team had been so uh, visible and transparent in and with their community, the people actually rallied behind him, even though there was some environmental impact, even though there were a couple of deaths, even though it was a serious incident that got the trial lawyers scrambling for class action suits this community sat down with him and said how can we help you now that would not have taken place if he hadn't done everything he had done in the years leading up to the incident but he had put enough goodwill in the bank that he could survive a major withdrawal and I've seen it work time and time again. Mm-hmm. There's no question, but there are circumstances where one oops can wipe out a thousand attaboys, right? right? You have to have put enough goodwill in the bank, enough consistent transparency in the bank, enough consistent Uh, examples of how you and your facility and your employees are part and parcel of this community, that when something does happen, you are able to overcome it and move on. And and that's that's how we try to help our clients prepare. Um, Things are going to happen. And when the community understands that, but also understands everything you're doing from a risk management standpoint and a best achievable control technology standpoint and a a safety and emergency preparedness and emergency response preparation standpoint. And all of the things you do, when they clearly understand it, and that's part of do they know us and do they understand us, then that is what helps to build the trust that you need.
1: Okay. Um, You mentioned uh, consistency a number of times, maintaining a consistent relationship. Certainly there's uh, ups and downs in the business cycle. Uh, You have different uh, community leaders, different uh, business leaders uh, within the company. Uh, What are the challenges to, to maintaining that consistency and how do you deal with that?
2: Well, and I, I i don't mean to use this term to the degree that it that it doesn't carry the significant weight that it should but it's it's got to be in the company's culture it's got to be in their dna so that it really doesn't matter who the plant manager might be at any given time it's it's what they do and You know, we've seen plant managers come and go. We've seen leaders in these facilities uh, change places. But if the program is in place and the consistency is there and sort of the legacy of this is what we've always done is there, then I think you are able to sustain it. Uh, One of the things we do is as soon as a new plant manager comes into one of our client facilities, we are on the list to sit down with them and talk to them about the history of the engagement. And I I don't mean their engagement with us. I mean, their engagement with the community. And here are the things we've done. Here are the things that we do on a regular basis. Here's why it's critically important that we maintain it. And oh, by the way, this is the goodwill that it has, it has, has provided you and i've seen even post that meeting some variance in the commitment level of the leadership but i've never seen it completely go away and we were always able to sustain it through that through that change okay Okay. um there's
1: just one final question for you tim um we've talked a lot about community engagement. Um, That's been the focus of our discussion today. Uh, We have people a lot of times confuse community engagement and public affairs, they're definitely related, but can you um, differentiate between those two?
2: Yeah, and, and look, there's no question but that in those two terms, there is significant overlap, right? But when I think about public affairs, I'm thinking more about that as an element of your overall community engagement, right? Public affairs might mean you're doing some advertising at the baseball field, or you're sponsoring a team, or that you, um, you, you, your public affairs group goes out and produces a newsletter, <clears throat> or they they provide lunch for some uh, you know, uh, senior living facility. I think that public affairs, just like a community advisory panel is generally an element of your overall community engagement plan, but mm-hmm. slight differences there. Um, the, the, they help, they help to answer those questions, right? Public affairs and, and that face in the community Helps people to know us. They help it helps people to understand us. It may even help people to trust us when they see us doing it consistently. But but the community engagement is really bigger than just communications or public affairs or a community advisory panel. I think the community engagement is the is the totality of the effort.
1: Okay. Well, I certainly appreciate uh, the insight that you've shared with us this afternoon, Tim. And um, I think you've uh, given us a lot of uh, insight into how to build an effective community engagement program and the important features of it. Uh, Is there any
2: uh, final comments you'd like to make? No, I just, I just think that in this age of social media, if you are a facility, uh, an industrial facility, located in a community, and you are not thinking about your community relation, your community engagement, your communications, and you're not building it around these four elements, these four questions and the stakeholders that, that are there, that I think you're going to find, just like we talked about, if you're not putting that goodwill in the bank, and something unfortunate happens, they can literally take your license to operate from you. Um, and, and so it is, you know, from an overall survival standpoint, I believe, and I believe it's going to be even more important going forward, that every single industrial facility, every single petrochemical plant, refinery, manufacturing facility, have some very specific community engagement and community Uh, relations, communications plan um, that is documented and is consistent. I think that's important. Okay.
1: Well, thank you very much. We appreciate you joining us.
2: Thanks, Frank.
0: Thank you for listening to Stay Tuned with the Chlorine Institute. To find safety resources and information on CI, visit our website at www.chlorineinstitute.org. The comments, views, opinions, and recommendations expressed during this podcast are solely those of the guest speaker featured in this podcast. The Chlorine Institute, or CI, does not endorse, support, approve, recommend, or certify the comments of the guest speaker. Any third-party material or content referenced during the podcast does not necessarily reflect the policies or standards of the Chlorine Institute. CI assumes no liability or responsibility for the completeness and accuracy of the third-party content. Any views and opinions expressed by the CI staff are those of the employee and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Institute. The Chlorine Institute does not make any warranty that the podcast or server used to make the podcast accessible is free of viruses or other elements that may possess harmful or destructive properties. Any questions regarding this disclaimer should be directed to CI's Communications Coordinator, Raina Ely.